Sunday, October 3rd, and episode 26 of Macross Delta. The final episode did not air last night. That's right, we're running over a week late. It did, in fact, air last, uh, the previous Sunday on uh, September 25th. And due to a bunch of circumstances, we're a little late in getting this up, but the crew of the Speaker Podcast and our Gur Talk regulars are here for what will be... One of the final Gur Talks. Will it be the final? Well, that has yet to be revealed. But this is your host, Gwyn Campbell. And next to me on my left, I have... Adrian Lozano. And to Adrian's left, we have... Egan over here. And on the other side of Tokyo, I have... Renato. And from the US... Hey, it's Mike. How's it going, guys? Hey there, Mike. And from Australia, let's start with Sydney for a change. It's me, Craig. Hello. And in from Canberra, having just come back from Japan. It's Carice. Hey. And I guess we should point out here that, Carice, you were actually in Japan for this episode. Yep, I was. It was weird seeing it on, on like proper TV again as opposed to on my computer but hey <laughs> you know what's kind of cool is that mm-hmm. all of us all of us who don't live in Japan got to see one episode on live TV yeah yeah that's kind of cool yeah that's sorry Mike I saw two well then you, you have two you uh-huh. have someone yeah, who actually oh sorry go ahead <laughs> 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 I saw Machina get shot. But you also came over for the concert, Mike. Yes, that's true. That was the that was the consolation prize. To, and then you all got to witness my pain. Oh, that was great. That was the best episode that wasn't actually on TV. But Mike's episode was great. It's probably the best yeah, episode I had an episode, podcast. I had an episode on that. Uh, and I've got to say, look, it's been, you know, just over a week. And, I mean, Craig, I think you mentioned something a little, little bit similar to this before we began. But not having an episode, not necessarily of the podcast as such, but of Delta this week. Like, hitting Sunday night and not rushing home to watch a new episode. After, you know, 26 weeks, it, it felt a little odd. Yeah, it, it was a bummer, like, to know that there was no new... Macross, because this is the first time I've watched a Macross week to week. Um, Frontier, I saw sort of in, I think I saw like the first half and then the second half in kind of bunches. Um, so this was the first time I've done this and I really, really enjoyed it. So if for no other reason than that, do more Macross. <laughs> Craig has commanded it. Uh, well, look, let's jump straight into the pot then so we can get that. I shouldn't say out of the way, but I will say out of the way and get into the uh, the meat of the conversation, guys, because there is a lot to talk about. The episode opens with no opening, uh, much like episode 13, well, and episode 1, so that's how you know they're serious. And we immediately cut to the crew of the Elysian who have heard what happened to the nun's fleet at the end of the previous episode. Uh, Hayate and Frey are still hanging out with his father's package, like they've been sitting there for a while. Although, this time, the camera shows the w- window behind them, and you can see this, you know, a full fleet of ships outside. And that looked pretty good, I thought. It was, it was pretty epic. It was like, oh, wow, we've got this full fleet behind him. We're in for some action now. Um, in the meantime, Roy and Mikamo are in the Shrine of the Stars. 
Uh, we also see Heinz, who felt the deaths that uh, had been caused, or that he and Mikkelmo had caused, with uh, uh, with the death, the destruction of the, of the nuns' fleet. Interestingly enough, uh, Heinz mentions that he intends to enter into peace negotiations uh, once the power of the Star Song has been demonstrated. And this is what Royd's making preparations for. Now, whether Royd intends to go into peace negotiations, that's something we'll get to. And when I say Royd's making preparations, I mean, oh wow, Royd can now move his runes of their own accord and plug them into a wall socket, much like Ghost in the Shell, which I don't think anyone else in the series has really done, which was a bit odd. But, we've seen we've seen the runes move before, right? Like, but not in a, kind of on the yeah. Heinz often holds them up. Yeah, because there's yeah. shots of Heinz where you just see his face, and all of a sudden his runes like go right next to like his ears. That's true. I never got the feeling that was controlled, but well, I know. Well, I mean, that's Bogue couldn't control his, but I guess when yeah, Heinz I, said control I, I your runes. There's unconscious and conscious sort of actions that occur with your runes. I was more thinking it's a good thing that Royd had long hair, because if he had short hair like the twins or Heinz, the runes wouldn't have reached the um, sockets. That's Well, nearly, like, a lot of the Earl Knights wouldn't have reached the sockets, would they? Yeah. Um, Keith? Keith only has one rune. You would have been a different series if the entire climax has him... He has to turn around so yeah. he can face the runes against the wall. So the entire, the entire ending, you just see him muffling talk in the back. He's like, has anyone else got a rune extension cord? Has anyone got one of those? I could imagine with his face against the wall like a cat. Just with yeah. the runes. He has to... Uh... If you guys watched, if you guys watched South Park, he'd have to sit on his throne, um, what they call reverse cowgirl. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Straddle his throne. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, now Delta and Valkyrie are entering, are preparing to enter, or commence, I should say, uh, Operation Ragnarok, or is that Ragnarok? Uh, and that is, of course, the whole reason they called the planet Ragnar, so they could call the the final episode's mission Ragnarok. The I'm entire sure. series was one big setup for a punchline. Yeah. Um, Hayate has had his 31 rebuilt, apparently they've used some of Messer's flight data, and Craig, I think you've mentioned this before, but it's like, why? <laughs> Messer's Valkyrie's perfectly operational, why not just keep using it? I think, I think, I was trying to remember, but I think in the second last episode they say, it's like, it's been, like, with all the fighting it's done, it's just kind of worn out, so I'm guessing they just rebuilt his one out of, like, spare bits. Right, because I was trying to. I meant to go back and watch thirteen. Doesn't it get like completely destroyed? Like I thought it just exploded. Hiatus, yeah, because it got like mostly disintegrated, and he jumped out in the exit, yeah. which yeah, then, he ejected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I assumed this was like they built it from the spare bits of his, and maybe bits of I don't know, whatever. Mm. Anyway, Again, not just like Macross thirty, or for that matter, the first yes. Macross series. Look how many VF1J Sakara went through in the beginning. So. Good point. It's true. Um, so uh, how many? No, they didn't get like completely destroyed though. One did. Like uh, they never came back with the VF1J after you know being on the Centrati ship. But all of a sudden he's got another VF1J and no one questions it. That's true. Actually, you know, I never really thought about that. 
Well, with Hayata's new 31... Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. Roy dies immediately after he comes back from... After he no, comes no, no. back from space. No, and no, no. Then... Roy, dies, Roy dies after the Daedalus attack. The Daedalus goes through and shoots... The missiles shoot out the other side and hit Hikaru's plane, and then he's in the hospital when Roy dies. Because he dies in the same one where Max first meets Milia in combat. Oh, you are after, right. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. after, after Hikaru gets out of hospital, he's that's when he's flying the 1S. That's true. My mistake. Okay. And that was your original Macross Minute with Craig and Hikaru. <laughs> <laughs> So, the thing I thought was cool about the uh, Hayate's new Valk was he does have a new logo on it, which is a variant of the Grim Reaper, but it's like, it's still got the wings and the hood, but it's got like what like, looks like a knight's faceplate. It's apparently a Valkyrie knight. A Valkyrie, oh, like the girls were dressed as, yeah. kind of. That's Ooh. what it's supposed to represent, and Tenjin didn't want to draw another skull on an <laughs> emblem, apparently. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. There's too many skull emblems. Fair enough. And he did, as we should notice, uh, note in uh, All Shadow Macross recently, they had an area with some design sketches which you couldn't photograph. Although these are some of these are in one of the Blu-ray booklets where they have all the versions of the skull logo that they yep. went through designing. So I guess this is kind of the progression of those. We've gotten to this one. Um, my immediately, th- my immediate thought upon seeing it was like Nightmare from Soul Calibur, <laughs> like kind of death, but. But a night as well. Um, it, it, it wasn't as positive as it probably should have been. But anyways. Well, I just realized it basically is a combination of both Messer and the White Knight. Mm. Yeah, kind of. Oh, okay. So, unfortunately, it didn't have enough screen time because when you on first viewing, I just thought it was Messer's logo <laughs> on his plane, and then when I saw it the second time, I was like, oh no, it's slightly different. And then uh, back uh, again. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I didn't notice it was different at all, and I'm frantically trying to find it in the episode to see what it looks like now. I mean, granted, the camera does linger on it, but I noticed it the second viewing as well. Yeah. And it's a reused shot with different parts. It's the same um, when they go to Voldor. That's when they do the... Um, take off. Uh, right before they launch, they do the... Um, Pre-system check thing? Like, yeah. Uh, not that, that's not the Voldor one. That's, okay. It's um, when they go, they do the, the cloaking. When they do the cloaking thing, oh, right? No. Yeah, it's the exact same animation path, except this time they have fast packs on, and there's no cloak. Oh, okay. Well, armored, not fast packs. Right. So. And look, Delta takes off, and I'm. I hate to start off on a criticism here, but uh, they take off, and Mirage and Hayate are doing all these fancy moves and doing. Gun Tonfa Kung Fu all over the place and shooting, 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 but they don't really show what they're shooting at for at least the first several shots. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Uh, later on, like a few shots later, you find that uh, they get close to a large ship and they do blow that up with these rather inconveniently placed missiles on the wrists, or the, uh, the outer arms of, of the Valkyrie. Um, I thought that was great. Yeah. Although they must speak because... The way that the arm joints rotate around, mm-hmm. they'd be facing the other way in fighter. Um, because the the YF-30 toy can do that, can mount missiles on the wings, which are then the arms, but they're facing the other way. 
So I'm hoping the 30 toy has a way to like spin them around or the, the missiles themselves when they bring the fast packs are, are on like a rotation joint. And Royd is, uh, is good to go with this test. Uh, oh, sorry, before that we get uh, a random shot of a monster firing. Again, we're not really uh, kind of sure what it's firing at. Like you see the rockets come out of the arms. There's an explosion, but then it actually looks like the Legion has rammed through a ship. So it's not the most um, dynamic battle we've seen so far. Well said. Uh, yeah, visually you go connect the dots a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of that the first few minutes. Mm. So, and um, so Roy's good to go, and so he has Heinz get Mikamal to sing, and she sings, and then everyone turns into the internet, don't they, Renato? Yeah, <laughs> the Galactic Network, the Galaxy Network, as you called it. Right. Um, they all join into one giant naked galactic intelligence. Uh, the key word being naked. So and Roy's, definitely not intelligence. Yeah. So Roy's uh, plan apparently is to connect all humanoid minds, which evolves them as a species to the next level, that of a giant single galactic intelligence. Uh, by doing this, he intends to ensure galactic peace and kind of transcend the Windermerian short lifespan. Um, and while all this is happening and Mikamoy is singing, it must be pointed out that she switches from her song, from the Song of the Stars, to a, a, a bit of Do You Remember Love? Yeah, just a single verse. Right. Uh, we were thinking about that after that episode air. We're thinking maybe that's argued because, you know, Ayaboite Masuka was you know, written in the Do You Remember Love st- uh, storyline was supposed to be a song from Protoculture, and arguably right. a song of the uh, stars. Mm, although I think, you know, Do You Remember Love did make that whole point about just being a, a pop just song, like exactly. a love song. Oh, but, true. Yeah. Uh, not a weapon of galactic mass. Like, it, it's basically well, the key to the Evangelion um, human instrumentality project, you know. The, the, the thing is that it's only a weapon in... Roy's hands. I mean, this could, especially, I mean, depending on how you look at it, be benevolent. I mean, in some ways, Royd was trying to do, like, he was trying to, like, cause peace, less with him in charge and the Windermerians in charge, but, like, he he was, it's not like a war song, unless you use it that way. Um, there's, there's certainly, the concept could be that, like, someone more benevolent could use it to cause peace in the galaxy. Some of the best villains um, think they're the good guys. Right. So, I mean, yeah, he, she used a, also, was it in, she was singing in Protoculture, right? Like, it wasn't in Japanese? No. It was only, uh, the, Windy, the, like, star singer, whatever the music is. And only so the I, Oh, right, so even that verse yeah. was in yeah, just the Japanese that verse was verse. in Japanese. Yeah, and then ah, rats. Yeah, as it goes on, it's totally different. Because remember that Misa had to translate it like that. So she was sitting there translating it in for ages. I was kind of hoping that it was in protoculture. It was like the untranslated version that could have been kind of cool. Oh well. Well, yeah, you could I guess presume that with that song being so famous within the Macross universe, like in-universe, uh, oh, yeah, there was that yeah. just that shared cultural memory. Like, she had those lyrics in her head from knowing the song, the genetic memory 
that it meant something got triggered and those were the first things that she she had i guess you know um but with everyone connected everyone sharing their thoughts and feelings that means it's flashback time uh we get hayat and his dad you know, we get a bit of young Freya, whatever, who cares? We got VF9, baby. Two VF9s. And a VF9. Genius Air. Genius Air, yeah. And this is. This is probably the... Well, this will be the best-looking we ever see of VF9, because they don't look this good in Macross M3. Mm. Right. The first time we've seen it animated, for that matter. Well, it was in the, the opening, game. outside the opening, yeah. yeah. And you get this shot of, you know, a young Mirage playing with the controls, and I actually went and got the best screen cap I could from the game opening of the inside of the cockpit. It's so much more detailed in this than it ever was in the Dreamcast game. Uh, it's, it's a really retro-looking interior. Well, um, apparently, there is no documentation of the cockpit, ah. according to Tenjin, and the Tenjin, the design that's shown with Mirage in the cockpit is his design. Ah. So he was given the freedom to just design the cockpit. Nice. Uh, I'm so curious to see if that's... Jean- um, well, i got to ask him, I'm curious to see if that's his Mirage as a, uh, as a, young. a child. Mm. Interesting. I did notice, like, the, the basics are the same. Like, there's a certain number of switches on one side and, and the levers and... The, the basics are the same, but then all the detail and all the little switches and all the little lights, that's all 100% unique. Um, it was hard to get a sense of perspective, though, because you had the young Mirage, and she was sitting kind of forward in the seat so she could get the controls because she's tiny. Um, so you kind of can't... In the wide shot, you get more of a sense of how small she is in comparison to it. Right. <laughs> that little head peeking in. <laughs> yeah. And I like that it had the um, the the sort of the built-in ladder was was down. You know how like you see it in the first Macross. So there's like a a button they press and a little ladder pops out down the side. Uh, that's down on the VF9 as well. That's how she crawled up there by herself. I, I love little details like that. I like that they included uh, even on the VF25, uh, the VF31. Uh, that has a little ladder of its own unique design on it too. Yeah. But it was, Do, um, yeah, it was great to see the, the nine again. Sorry, you're saying, Craig? No, just real quick, like Genius Air. Do you think that was like Max and Millie took a time, like away from the military? Do you think this was like a thing they did after seven? Because well, I was look- trying to work out the chronology of this. Like she would have had to have been how old's Mirage again? Eighteen in Delta. Things no one can answer off the top of their head. Quick to the internet. Okay. She's so. like a, she's like she somewhere is. between eighteen to twenty-one, let's say. So this looks like when she's like, say, six, six? to ten. Yeah. Yeah. So say like ten, fifteen years ago. Where does that put a timeline wise? Uh, she's eighteen years old. You're right in Delta. All right, so it'd be twelve years before, and, and Delta is what sixty-seven. So fifty-five or so. Fifty-five. So that's so that's after seven. Yeah, I mean, before, from well, they'd stopped using the VF nines by the time of seven. You know, I mean, geniuses were using Max Mirror used twenty twos. So you know, my and, and this is just genius. Yeah, that's why I wonder if this was like private. Like this was ones they owned. This is after seven. They had some sort of like air company where they 
you know, with private fighters and stuff. But does it, I mean, need, to be like, a, does it need to be a company? Couldn't it be just like a little, like a, a museum or like where they keep all their fighters? Like they, oh. they, could, they could do training flights. They, they could let people come and look at all their fighters. I didn't think of that. That's a good idea. Because there's a VF1 as well. You're right. Like, yeah. I like it's like a museum for all their planes. I like that idea way better. That's awesome. Yeah, but what planet is it on? Wherever 7 ended up, I guess. Or it's on 7, for all we know. That could be the digital sky in the background. I just realized the VF1 we saw in the background can't be Milia's VF1J. Thanks okay. to Macro 7. Well, it's white. Milia's yeah, is, is right. red. So I assumed so it's, it, it could be like. Do you remember Love Max's? Mm. And uh, I did actually go and compare the paint scheme of the 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 VF9 that Mirage was in to to the game opening, which was kind of tough because it's not in the entire opening and it's standard resolution. Mm. So pausing, but it's very it's a very close match. Like there's yeah. a white trim around the cockpit that's missing, but it's a very close match to that color. So it seems fairly obvious that it's supposed to be the one from the Dreamcast game. Nice. As far as we can tell. But that was, again, it's one of these tiny things that means nothing. To any new fan of the last 17 years. (laughs) And for that matter, for people who only grew up on the first Macross series and not saw any of the other things that happened afterward, they would not uh, think much of it. But if someone who follows Macross over the decades, we're the ones who go, oh, that moment was for us. Yeah. Especially the fighter, the fighter junkies, the guys who love the jets, because I mean, this—I I only know this from the opening to the M3 game, which I've seen on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I recognize them as nines immediately. I didn't—I I had to go back and check the paint schemes as well. But right. yeah, it was super cool. It was just one of those little fan service moments. Yeah. Uh, so, getting back to the plot, I guess, and and out of out of this flashback. Uh, to convey sense and danger, we get this montage of reused still images uh, of humans and Windermerians and Voldarians and, and whatever, um, which doesn't really convey scale that great, in my opinion. But regardless, um, so everyone's connected and kind of under Royd's control. Uh, Freya starts to sing and her song does kind of start getting through, which tempts Heinz to sing as well. Uh, and by doing so, it's like he's singing, Freya singing. That's them rebelling against Keith, which means well, uh, this means as Bo picks up, Heinz is basically rebelling. He's joining hands with Walkure in, in in a way, and Heinz orders Keith to protect the galaxy. And that's the order of you know the singer of the wind. And Keith has always said, if the wind's betrayed, Royd's going down. So this means what Royd's doing is betraying the wind. Um, during this scene, you know, really helpful. When everyone's minds are connected, you don't need to animate their lips moving, which is really handy, <laughs> I thought. Um, is that why Optimus Prime has a mouth shield in Transformers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. That's going to be a lot of italicized text. Yeah. <laughs> in the so- mm, yeah. Uh, the, um, the thing I, you know, was interesting was, you know, we saw Mirage had a nice flashback. Hayate saw his dad. Konami, Konami sees Mesa all vard out, and Freya sees her village exploding, or like whatever the big explosion that she saw. 
I assume that the dimension eater bomb going off explosion. So, like, some people go to positive flashback, some people not so much. Well, it was, I, I noticed that too. Oh, Mikimo, um, so, and Mikimo saw the scientists above it, like. Yeah. That part was confusing because it did go from Hayate seeing his father or having a vision and the flashback for Mirage. And then it was the um, Freya. And she also, they actually show Freya, and she's got this petrified look on her face, where everyone else is kind of mesmerized in this fake world, like these fake visions. And it does go to Messer, and it does go to, um, what was the other one? Oh. Um, huh? Mirage. Mirage, oh. yeah. But you don't see those characters at all. You just see the flashbacks. You just see the flashbacks. You don't really know who's really seeing those ones. You assume it's going to be Kaname. Hmm. Yeah. You know, That's what I also thought was interesting, and Renato, please tell me you thought this as well, but um, as Roy's control, like, wanes and, and, and ebbs and wanes, um, the characters kind of fade in and out. It's a complete back to the future kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. doing Marty McFly in this anime. Yeah, I was like, dude, <laughs> don't do <laughs> Wow! Wow! I, I took that as the they were like as they were fading away, they were losing their individuality. They were sort of falling into the mind hole. Yeah, actually, that is what I thought. Um, but but it never like it was never confirmed that that's what uh, was being represented. Yeah. No, no, but it didn't really need to be spelled out. Like it would if that was the danger that they were facing. You know what I mean? Okay, let's go back to the Back to the Future analogy. Uh, you know, Doc Brown actually said, you know, you'll disappear out of existence. So we already knew that that was a danger uh, that Marty would face, and he had to do something to stop that from happening. Um, and so they never really spelled that out in this, that, well, uh, that the connection of the Galaxy Network, or whatever you want to call it, uh, would lose, would, would make sure, would make, would mean that everyone's... Um, Independence uh, would disappear. I didn't think they needed yeah. to spell it out, though. No, like, I knew why. I was like, it was obvious to me the first time we watched it, like what was happening. So, okay, it totally wasn't obvious to me. I just had to guess that was what was happening. Yeah, then Freya started singing, so it was okay. What's interesting about this episode compared to the previous episodes? We've been talking about how this anime has been doing a lot of. You know, telling us instead of showing us. In this particular uh, episode, they've been doing a lot of showing. But yeah, well, maybe I'm used to that now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so wait, Renato. So, if when all this was happening, Burger popped up. Yeah. Naked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, uh, naked Burger. We're still out of see. existence. Naked, but still with it's his like brother. Only his legs remain. Exactly. If Hayate gets to keep his uh, pendant, then Burger gets to keep his pipe. That's, that's how you it have works. To... You have to make sure your bateroid accelerates at 88 miles an hour. <laughs> Wait, Wait Burger is Doc Brown now? Whoa. Of course. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense. Yes. See, I, I looked at it as they were all, as they were fading, it was them sort of falling, <laughs> losing their individuality. Hayate's pendant allowed him to hang on to his a little bit more. And so he, and then he yelled at Freya, which pulled, started to pull her back. And Mirage heard that, which started to pull her back. And then it was that that was sort of them all that was the start of them all starting to to come back to themselves. Um I, I thought that was 
relatively like pretty clear, yeah. but I mean maybe mm. not. Well, I admit uh-huh. I didn't because you had the thing where when Freya managed to pull out of the network, they'd show her kind of spiritual astral form going back into her body. So my the first time I saw it, I wasn't sure because I thought maybe if them fading out of the network meant that they were returning to reality rather than losing their their individuality because when Frey faded mm. out, she went back to her body. Um, yeah, that's true. So I thought it was that's... a little unclear, but we did, however, get something that was, I think, a first for Macross, which was the first straight-line confession. It's like, everyone, let's yeah. get a line and confess one after another. Right, uh, not just one, but several one after another. Uh, not a first. Hikaru Ichijo did it first. <laughs> Does he? Oh, yeah, he does at the end, yeah. Well, who wants to uh, who wants to describe the big confession? Well, it was the biggest reveal. I don't think anyone cared about it anymore. <laughs> and yet they I, did it. It's one yeah. of the few things they actually did. I think that was the only reveal that they gave us, and nobody cared about it anymore. Hmm. I yeah. I actually really like. Man, this is going to be me the whole episode. I actually really liked that whole moment. I thought Mirage was great. Well, the way you, that you want to explain what the moment really was, good, Craig? Emoting Sorry. over there. Yeah. Okay, so so they start to so so first Hayate sort of yeah. comes back to himself enough to yell at Freya and say, um, I'm, try, "I'm trying to remember who goes first because I think Freya says I'll protect you no matter what and and I'll help you." Then Mirage, uh, she's happy that Hayate had said something, but she can't get up the guts to say it herself. Mirage hears it. And steps up to be like, look, Hayate, I love you too, but I know you don't love me in that way, and that's okay, because you've inspired me to be, like, the person I was kind of, I always felt like I was meant to be, but you've shown me how to get there and how to become that person. I don't need you to, you know, I, I don't need us to be together, that's fine, I get it, I just realize how much I love flying and how much that means to me. And then she sort of looks at Fran and is like, no, you know, come on, get off your ass and have the courage to do what everyone else is doing. Own up. Come on. And and it works. And Freya... And Freya does Freya so in f- glorious 360 degrees. What a, what a dramatic ski that was. <laughs> it was a complete, like, almost a magical girl transformation. It was shown all around. Uh, she was butt naked. And the whole world felt her confession, literally. The whole galaxy. Let's talk about them being naked. I mean, they're not really. It's kind of just like a vague sort of energy-ish kind of form with only their faces defined. They're not like fully nude, like sit, you know, floating around. Um, I don't know. It always bothers me when you. I thought it was naked. funny that everyone is fully nude, just floating around, and that's the moment they decide to confess their love for one another. Right. Because I guess, well, I guess, like, I, I love you, Freya, because I've now I, seen both of you naked next to each other. But I don't think it's like they're not literally nude. I think they're more like they're more. It, it's you know, it's their souls. It's their inner selves. It's 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 well, a it's representation. Not meant to be, it's not meant to be sexual, Craig. But then again, your your comment there is it depends on what you want to interpret the word nude. As That's mean, true. You know, Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess. But either way, they're all completely naked, and whether they see each other or not like that, or whether this is just a representation of how they see themselves, who knows? 
I mean, it's not the first time it's happened in Macross, and it won't be the last, but it's the first time we've gotten a confession in this state. Well, it goes back to the beginning of the episode where Hayate is almost going to tell her, and then he cops out of it because they all have to get ready for the battle. So he was going to, but then he stopped himself. Then I think he only says it because he knows the end is coming. So he confesses his love and how he will protect her. And she's shocked. And then the Mirage confession. But Mirage, is she flashbacks to when she talks to Freya in the previous episode, which they had cut that conversation, but you hear it in this episode, mm-hmm. where Freya pretty much says, like, don't tell anybody about how she's rapidly aging because, you know, her like, her main thing is Valkyrie. So I think Mirage is caught... Is, is confessing her love for Hayate, but she also knows that if Mara, if if Freya doesn't snap out of it and rescue everybody, no one's getting anybody. Hmm. And that's yeah. why she, her confession is to challenge Freya and to get Freya, you know, basically the ability to stand up and sing, so that this tr- love triangle can go on and be completed. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds um, right. yeah. So I don't see it as Mirage giving up. I just that's the only way anything was going to continue. Oh, uh, I think she. I don't think she's. She's thinking she's going to be with um, with Hayata anymore. I think she's gone. I don't. Th- I think she's like. Well, you know. Yes, I love you, but I accept that you love Freya, and that's fine. And I. It's okay because I've found the rest of my life's purpose and I don't need you to be complete kind of thing. Hmm. Is that just me? (laughs) I I was still thinking VF9's during this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the confession happens and, you know, Freya's love and her song is kind of pushing a bit back against Roy's control. So while Curie and Delta kind of managed to break free, although Roy has a lot of forces under his control, including a bunch of drakens, which, when they're mind-controlled, they're white, apparently, which is odd, because the whole thing was they supposedly dyed their wings black, which they say over and over, to do... because it's symbolic of them getting their hands dirty to do what needs to be done. But when they're actually under Royd's control and he's literally getting his hands dirty, they're white again, which... Didn't... Okay. I, I feel like I'm talking a lot, and I'm really sorry about that, but... Didn't Royd fly a white plane? I thought he flew white fighters, and so I took that as when he took them over, they turned into representations of, like, his plane? Uh, well, the, all the Aerial Knights originally apparently had white. Yeah. And the... the um, Keith, like... Uh, Keith, what, I, I, sorry, the... I, uh, that was, I don't know if they were literally had no, white they, planes. No, they were all white, and then Keith saw all the, the kings was platinum. Ah, uh, uh, okay. So why is Keith known yeah, as the White Plane? Because like, the, the White Plane was if, platinum. That was explained. Yeah, if you if you go back to, gosh, when the Aerial Knights first made their appearance, and Era actually mentions that, he says, oh, hey, they used to be white. And I okay. just didn't, I really, I didn't put it all together until you guys just said that. And I was like, oh, yeah, he mentioned that a long time ago. He's like, hey, they all used to be white. And so then they did dye their wings black. To do that, so that's uh, so was that's kind of Roy dying them back to white himself. 
I think I think I think you guys are right. It was just to signify that he was in control of those right, those those planes. And changing the colors is probably no big deal. I mean, they they could control the colors of the markings for the first you know four or five episodes. So there's some kind of color um, mechanism building of the planes. Wouldn't it be great if the Chalk Hawkins have that? We wouldn't have to buy doubles of anything. You just hit a button and the color would change. Bando would never allow that. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like the receptionist nails in Total Recall. Yeah. Okay. That. It'd be like those. Hot Wheels has some cars which do change colors if you dunk them in water. Can you imagine yeah, people gonna, all over the world are picking the Chagolkins and dunking them in their tubs? It's like, oh, finally, I got the white one. Yes. Uh, so Roy yeah. having <clears throat> dragons under his control means it's finally action time, and this is where I thought the action was quite good and pretty well choreographed. Um, there's a whole bunch of, uh, Royd fires a bunch of, um, laser beams from the, the shrine of, of the stars, which, cause he's controlling the shrine, not the, uh, the Sigur. And these all fire at the Elysian and all these pinpoint barriers pop up and I actually countered them. And there was like 16 pinpoint barriers <laughs> just around the bridge. At that point, why do you not just put a barrier around the bridge? Uh, like they did on the quarter, you know. Uh, but there are a lot of pinpoint barriers, and they were doing pretty well. They were blocking most shots. Um, so, oh, and also, I was thinking, how many girls do we have out the back of the Elysium with trackballs controlling 16? <laughs> 16. You don't think it's automated by this time? No. I mean, heck, if you can have Captain Wilder pulling out a manual steering wheel, then we need <laughs> girls on trackballs. I forgot about that. <laughs> when you get up to that scene, Machina's already come back to stage. so That's a good point. Because yeah. originally when they went out in battle, she's not with them. She's singing with them from the hospital bed. And then as things start to go south, uh, it seems like uh, Reyna starts getting kind of scared. Mm-hmm. And right at that scene is when Machina shows up. And basically she's up. there to give Reyna all the support she needs. Well, for Reina to give Makina the support she needs <laughs> physically. Um, so, with Royd firing the shrine's weapons, he does get some damage onto the uh, well, the, the bridge or wherever the girls are singing. <clears throat> and yeah, Makina and Reina get sucked out of the resulting hole. Uh, I got to admit, I was kind of surprised. Like, it's not like they're in space, but I guess they were descending pretty quickly, and the sudden decompression would have sucked them out but it seemed a little bit like well we're trying to copy frontier here um well no that's that's like on a plane if you open the door on a plane you potentially get sucked out of it that is true this is true yeah no that's that's true um i think it served three two main reasons and that's the reason to get freya down (laughs) to get her into the air again Mm -hmm. and also to give uh kaname the center stage ah Okay. Because of her dream. Uh, so Mike. Oh, thought of that. That's cool. Actually, that's a good good point. Yeah. Um, oh. sorry, Mike. What? So, what do you think of what happened to Makina and Reina after this? This is uh my my point. My bone of contention with this whole damn episode is that they left Makina in the hospital bed. They left Machina in the hospital bed while they were all on the Galaxy Network, so we got no naked Machina. I was very upset. 
I, 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 maybe <laughs> most... a, I don't think the net could them for doing that. <laughs> the so most crazy. important like scene where everybody's naked. I mean, we even have a naked aerial nights, and I get no naked Machina. Completely upset, completely ruined the entire finale for me. I, the, that's the that was the point when they showed her in the hospital bed, and I realized that she wasn't going to appear naked. That's I was done. I was like, I just want the show to be over. <laughs> this is this is bull crap. Let's just end it already. I don't care who loves who. Just end it. I'm done. Well, maybe those Blu-rays, Mike. I know they do. You know, correct animation errors at times. <laughs> that was an animation error. <laughs> it was a it was a, it was a creative. That was, an anim- that was yeah, I, yeah. They, they correct errors, but they don't put in missing, you know, complete missing scenes that should have been there the entire time. Well, I don't know. I don't know who I write. Extended the Escaflowne episode for the uh, LD and DVD releases, and that included a bath scene where he told me of all things. So you're just teasing me, Ian. Don't give me false hope. <laughs> Um, well, Mike, what I was actually asking about was, you know, the whole Machina and Raina getting sucked out into the air and... Yeah, yeah, well, you know, they reversed their, they reversed their roles, oh no, you know, Machina saved Raina in the, in the first episode, and now it's Raina's turn to save Machina. Right. blah blah <laughs> symmetry, all that stuff, yeah. Well, alright. <laughs> wow. Um... <laughs> Maybe uh, we should ask somebody else. Uh. Oh, so just the way I read it was there was this whole thing that Raina never wore the jet gas gas jet clusters, and yet this time she was. You only see it very briefly when she lights them up, but because that was something that Makina gave her, and to me, and maybe I'm reading far too much in this, her being able to support Makina, save her, and you know go against her normal personality and and wear those those jets is kind of like she's completely accepting of, of mucking it out. Like, like, I couldn't tell if they're the jet or if it was those backpacks they had on their uniform. Mm. I think it was the skirt clusters was my memory of it. I kept trying to look, I'll have for, a look again. Look for like any type of like lighting effect for that. And mm. it didn't seem like there was one. There was, it was like literally two frames or something. It was really brief. Yeah, there was a lot of that. <laughs> Uh, but either way, I thought it signified you know, their relationship just going to the next level. Yeah, the whole point is, yeah, uh, which was 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 cool. Um, although Mike has his misgivings, I, I dare say. Uh, so then, also as they're falling, they get attacked, and Bogue saves them. But and I thought Bogue had the best line in the whole episode because. Even when he's saving them, he's like, "Wow, Kira!" He still sounds like he's going to shoot them when he's saving them. It's the exact same intonation, um, but he does. He. I have, I have something to say about that. Go ahead, Renato. So, um, while this is happening, the song, the original opening song from the first half of the series, is playing. I believe. Which is yeah. right? Yeah. Which means if I am to love only once, just once. And just as Bogue saves them, he says, "Just this once. <laughs> I'm only saving you just this once." Like to tie in with the lyrics in the background. 
Nice. I think you're spot on because that happens when Freya first starts singing because she's just confessed and then she's jumping in to save everyone. So she's like, yo, if I only love once and she's just declared that she loves Hayate. So I thought it tied in there as well. So I think you're onto something, Renato. Oh, wow. I hate to put this on a downer note, but I just realized the irony that she says, we're going again to get one chance at love. And this is the second time she sings that song. That way. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, um, I, I double checked. Raina is using her skirt jets. You'll be happy to know. Woo. Uh, so we now get a shot of the, the our triangle of main characters flying together, and they you get to see their faces overlaid on the screen in a very Aquarian like scene. Um, Aquarium. And um, the Elysian is. Kind of surfing, kind of, for some reason. Um, a blast, like, it's going up against the, the shrine, and a blast from the, the Hermes um, disables the barrier, but the shrine takes it out, and it kind of emergency separates. So then the Elysian does uh, an Aether attack, which is... Which is... No, no. A Daedalus attack with Thank the Aether. Yep, uh, to punch a hole in the shrine, which allows Hayata Mirage and Keith to get in and and rescue Mikamo and, and ultimately uh, go for, for Royd. Uh, Keith does something kind of cool, uh, takes out Royd, and everything goes... Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> We are not skipping over the swords. Why not? We are I mean, not skipping over, over the swords. Mikmo being this giant holographic image similar to Ronka in the Frontier episode. No one's mentioned that. Oh, oh yeah. That's at the very beginning. Well, that one <laughs> no, no one's mentioning well. that. Yeah, yeah, no one's mentioning that, Adrian, because it's it's too evocative of Macross 2, and we all just would rather forget it. <laughs> I think you're, you're confused with Plus, Mike. Know your Macross. Yeah, they do no, no, too. no. I meant, I meant her. I meant her appearance. Her has never been projected that large. Oh, no, I meant her. I meant her appearance. I meant her appearance. Her appearance. Her, you know, with the with the with the freaking Marduk tattoos or whatever. Oh, seems like you haven't forgotten it. <laughs> no, we're trying to get over it, and you keep bringing it up, but it's okay. <laughs> I was. I brought up Frontier. You brought up too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got you there. Like Mike's just confused because of the lack of Machina. It's, oh, it's understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a loose walk. That's very true. Yeah. So, Craig, talk to me about swords. I the the Aerial Knights have unfortunate, which they've unfortunately never used uh, swords. Like and not like lightsabers or anything, but swords that come out and extend out of the uh, legs of the of the 262s and they are awesome and we get a cool sword fight between Keith and some poor bastard being controlled by Roy and, <laughs> wait 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 wait, uh, true. wait wait you collect toys and there's yes. a Valkyrie that has a sword and you think it's cool mm-hmm. amazingly cool that's pretty awesome because most toy people I know just go they hate when Valkyries have knives I figured once no. one pulls out a sword, it's over. Well, that's it. Like I saw a lot of people saying, "A sword? That's dumb." 
And I'm like, I know that all of you have 25s, and all of those 25s have knives, so do the 29s. Um, the 31s technically have knives that you never see, but they've got them. Um, so, like, a sword to me, I had no trouble with it. I thought it was it was really cool. And the fight between the two of them was awesome. Did you notice that Keith's rune is hovering in front of his missing eye? Almost like he's using it like a sense to, to see in the sword fight. Oh. Mm. Um it, it's like hovering right over where his eye would be. Uh, and then as Roy sort of drews it, uh, like fires into the 262, he leaps out of it and stabs Roy through the chest with a, like a, his personal sword, which we know he has because they've been carrying the swords around since the start. Well, they had a little uh, duel earlier in, in the early episode. I just realized yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I realize that is like a call out to what he did before with Messer. When yes. Messer was using, you know, when he went after Messer and used his little drakken to uh, form, I guess, like a, for a decoy, and then he goes in after the, the uh, decoy gets uh, destroyed. I just re- noticed and realized that that's the tactic he used over there with Roid. Yeah, yep. and both get. Yeah, I, I thought. I thought that whole sequence I mean, was fantastic. All these, I mean, these, all these. Uh, uh, planes were already established to have shields and they're knights, so why wouldn't they have swords? I mean, it just makes a complete set, right? Yeah. So, uh, like, yeah, because I was, you know, earlier I was like, they have shields, so they have swords. Like, it makes sense as far as, you know, the whole knight theme. So, I, I mean, yeah, I thought it looked cool too, but I'm not a toy collector. No, no and a lot the- of people there that have always hated uh, the fact that they brought in knives to, like, I mean, even though the Batroids like humanoid form, like a lot of people complain about it. What I noticed Uh, is they have problems with the knives, but they didn't seem to have a problem when Isamu Dyson on his VF eleven had a bayonet that could amazingly uh, affect uh, on the Macross Plus for the very first uh, scene in there. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Isamu Dyson could do no wrong. Yeah, and there's a great true. moment in Frontier where they're like, um, where Ozma's talking about how he's, you know, if if our guns stop working, then we'll use our knives and yanks his knife out and starts stabbing Vajra to death. Like, that was awesome. So, no. Nah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you 100%. I'm, I'm just saying that totally there, on board there, there is and, a and legion of fans oh, out sure. there that cannot stand it. The, Absolutely. The funny but thing is, wrong. there are also probably people who don't watch Gundam, Escaflone. Or even for that matter, oh. Speeda, even though it's not shown in the that was anime. A dream sequence. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But even even the toys in the anime, yeah, the toys. The toy came uh, with the sword. Yeah, That's the toys. The toys. Came, no, uh, uh, yeah, the blow superior had uh, swords that we don't actually see in anime, but the toys um, you can pull them out. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think they're trying to say that uh, swords on Valkyries are stupid. Yeah. Because it's established that. Um, they have guns. So. I'm sorry, I just pulled a Richard, and we just I just pulled everyone off. So let's return. <laughs> no, to no look, like, I I thought the sword, just to give my five yen, it was cool, but I don't think it went far enough. I wanted it to be more ornament, more ornate, because I immediately <laughs> had flashbacks to Escaflone, oh. and I'm sorry, nothing beats the sword extending in Escaflone with the steam extending the blade. And I was like, yeah, yeah this just kind of flicks like a giant switch knife. <laughs> like I, I could do something a little more, given how ornate and and 
given the night they had like yeah they had like energy blades like you can see when when he fights um roy the blades kind of lit up like there's some sort of and i from memory it's been a long time since i looked but aren't the knives in on the 25s and stuff they're like vibro knives like in star wars right yeah they they stole the prog knives from ever units (laughs) yeah Yeah, so I heard some people complaining about them just being regular swords instead of kind of glowy blades like those knives on the VF-25. Uh, but I think that the justification for not having them glow is that otherwise it would just be Gundam and Kalmari wants to try again as far away from that as possible. But they but, do glow. But yeah, they do glow. If you pause it, there is like some kind of energy around and within them. It's... It's like reinforcing them or something. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like it's not like the da- the daggers. No, no, no. they're not like they're not like lightsabers, but they do yeah. have some sort of light up energy component to it, which is what the twenty fives had. The twenty fives aren't lightsabers either. They've got like energy things running around the blade. Well, the Siegfried has them too. They used them in the first episode. Yeah. They used them in the asteroid fight to disable. Did they? Yeah. Arid comes up behind the 171 and takes out both legs. Oh, he does. That was I forgot cool. about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Take out the uh, the arms of the equidium. Right, I forgot about I'm that. Wondering, I forgot there was Valkyrie action before <laughs> <Yeah>. this episode. <laughs> it's been so long. Go back to the beginning and rewatch the whole show. Marathon it now. I'm what going now? to. After the Blu-rays come out. <laughs> One thing I was wondering about the sword, is it something just like the knives on the 25 and 31s where... They were always there, and they just never brought them out until this final battle. Or they like I the guess. missiles that we have on the arms of the thirty-one, which aren't always there, but they bring them. Uh, they bring out the swords when they need them, or it wasn't even developed until this battle came around, so they didn't even have that option. I, I think they've been around the whole time; they just never used them because we've never really had an instance where two. Like a Valkyrie 262 were up close to one another like that. Like in a hand-to-hand sort of situation. 90% of the combat between them has been in fighter mode. Right. Carries must be thinking, like, boys and their toys. Like, <laughs> get on with it. She's probably not even there anymore. Are you still there, Carries? Yes. <laughs> did, I, did I read your mind? Was I riding the, was I I riding the wind? I think it's a link stuff. What was that? Say again. I've been fiddling around doing other stuff. <laughs> wow. Oh. Actually, so have I. And thanks to uh, this talk about knives and swords and stuff, uh, I'm actually finishing up my third picture for Inktober. So take a look at that on Twitter. And that has swords and knives? All right, let's move on. <laughs> what happened yeah. Okay, so... Uh, as Craig said, Keith takes out Royd, um, and then the shrine seemingly kind of blows, although I don't know why, uh, but did it blow up or not? Well, that's shown later on. Um, and then we get to the other most important part of the episode, which is the Murkats are alive. (laughs) Heathcliff lives. And that was it. This that for me was like like the Isamu Dyson cameo in the Frontier movie. I don't remember what happened after that. The Murkats. <laughs> right. You could actually say, "Let's go, kittens." Exactly. <laughs> it would make sense. It's like kittens. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, Marianne is alive. Uh, Chuck's sister. She's got a lot of bandages I, on. You guys were right. I was wrong. 
you were right. <laughs> what, you thought she was dead? Gone? Yeah, gone. I, I'm saying she was dead. Like, every time it came up on the show, I'm like, no, come on, she's dead. Nope, I was wrong. No. Certainly, certainly no. Gwyn had been saying I was right. Yeah, but you notice how the first thing that Chuck did when he landed his Valkyrie oh. on the beach was not go out and look for her and see if she's okay. He was just looking out at the sunset with Arid going, yeah, all the loose ends have wrapped up nicely, nothing left. And then he hears a voice, brother! And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Her. <laughs> no, Renato, he was looking out to see if he could see her among the jellyfish. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then we get, look, one shot, there's a, there's a shot I'll get to in a minute. Then we get this really good shot where, in my opinion, you see uh, Mirage standing in her cockpit looking up at the sky where you can see Hayata's VF-31 in the distance. It's a but really... That, that's, that's not just your opinion. That actually happened. No, that, that, that's, that's a... Okay, that's, no, as in that's a really good shot. The thing is, there's a brief shot before that and you see Valkyrie standing in front of Mirage's Valkyrie but from a distance and no one had drawn their faces on. And it was like a bunch of man. Like it freaked me the hell out. I'm like, where the hell are Valkyria's faces? It was just really weird. Um, and but fortunately, the next shot was really good, and it kind of made up for that. Um, and yeah, so Mirage is looking up at Hayate because he's apparently decided to not land with everyone else, but fly up into the air and fly off, or so we think, with Freya in the cockpit for no reason whatsoever. Uh, well, there's a reason. Well, the reason yeah. was the big reveal that Freya was actually a 2D cutout the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. 2D wife. Yeah, 2D wife. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Um, so, yeah. Um, and they fly off, giving it a very typical kind of Macrossy ending there, leaving everyone to think, wait, what about Burger? But, <laughs> yeah. Despite waiting through, you know, the credits are, you know, your typical end of an anime season where you get footage, but um, Adrian, I'd, if it's cool, I'd, I'd like you to explain what happens during those credits, because you pointed out some stuff I completely uh, missed. Well, it's it's almost the same credit as the um, 0 0.89, mm -hmm. you know, just showing the same footage, but from the opening, different episodes, and then it goes back to, it looks almost like a performance where... They're blown up really large, um, performing, and I think it's Hayate and Mirage come and basically do like a Emailman dance, and in the background you see the shrine throw up a portal into the sky. So the shrine's still intact. The, yeah, the shrine is work. intact and working. It throws up a portal beam, and the rest of um, Delta Flight goes and flies flies towards it, and then it gets cut off before they actually go in. So, whatever that means. And we know that this is where the signal from a certain ship from 50 years ago was also received. So... Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, everyone from all of the past macro series is hanging out in the same place. You know, the guy from Zero, whatever his name was. Oh, yeah, Shin, he's there. In other words, uh, Macro 30. there. Sorry? In other words, Macross 30. <laughs> That's really yeah, they go that, yeah. into the game. Macross 30, what is it going to be now? Five? 
PS4 coming soon. So yeah, if that ending little spot has anything, to, basically, Hayate and Freya didn't go far. They just went in for they went for a joyride. You know, came made back. out real quick, came back. That's that's I don't know about the makeup of the problem. Um, that's very hard. Uh, yeah, but that's two D. That's and so was he. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's how I took it too. That it, I, it was like Alto flying around the planet at the end of Frontier, or uh, I guess there's no other example. I'm trying to remember at the end of Seven. Did you guys think there was a passage of time from the end of the battle and that final sequence in the credits? I a thought little, it was a passage much. of time because I figured it was like a celebration afterwards. Yeah. So I thought it was like, uh, well, uh, first of all, Makina is back up and uh, uh, singing with the rest of them, and Mikimo is joining them. So I figured mm-hmm. it was sometime afterwards. Yeah, it would have to be a passage in time, like you said, because people would have to recover because Valkyrie would be the ones to open the portal. Good point. So, well, I mean, Island One or the Island is is back on the planet. And the Nyan Nyan shop is in front of them. If you if you look at it, I think I'm pretty sure it's the the Nyan Nyan shop is is sort of at the, near the stage. And I mean the uh, Elysium is still pretty messed up, so it can't be that much later. Hmm. It was the as usual. It, it's very typical of Delta. Just finish on a tease without giving us any answers, but giving us more tease. Yeah, what what that could possibly mean but there we go there you have it there's the plot so now I want to get into everyone's opinions and I'm going to start with Carice because we've bored her for long enough Carice <laughs> I, I, because I remember your reaction when you saw this and I believe so do I. I believe it was rather uh, disheartened I guess with, I don't know how what was? How would you describe your reaction? How you're feeling when you watched this? Like, oh in your God, really? You're gonna ask me to just repeat this here? Uh, <laughs> said no f bombs. <laughs> um, no, I said. Well, basically, I think the very last thing I said was, "Oh, I'm just gonna go back and watch Frontier again now." <laughs> well, you just did. Ouch. Anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, that was the first time I saw it. Second time, I actually was a bit happier with it. But yeah, first time I, saw it, I was like, what? What did I just watch? Mm. All right. So yeah. now that you've seen it more than once, what's your takeaway from it? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, you all sort of really, I think you all discussed some of the things that I took away away from already, like, um, just understanding what some of the themes were and stuff. You all notice a lot more than I have, and I think I've just been exhausted because I just can't pay attention to uh, um, what's on the screen at the moment anymore. But, like, I've also started trying to work out, like, the themes and the character arcs and stuff, and so this would be not really suited for something looking at just at the final episode, I think, but I can sort of trace the character arts through the rest of the series as well. Um, And being able to do that makes me a bit happy about it. Okay. So So you feel that, like, it pretty much delivered character-wise then? Not for all the characters. Um, For the main three, yes. 
And I know that there's a lot of some people on the internet who disagree with me, but oh well. Um, and I think, let me see, for Kaname, for Aaron, not so much. I think they didn't do him as well. Um, for the Knights, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, at least for like Keith and Royd, except they could have spent a bit more time on them, I thought. But yeah, generally I was quite happy with um, the main trio, which is really what. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So did you get closure from this episode? Was this what you're expecting? <laughs> Not really, but it's all right. <laughs> so you're telling us you're all surprised by the sword as well. Is that no? <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> no, it just wasn't what I expected. But like when I go back and look at it, then well, I can see what like I can see how they closed it off, and then what like what they were actually drawing through the series, like which wasn't exactly what I thought they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, like how was I going to describe it? Like there was closure, it's just. I hadn't completely read it the right way up till then, is what is how I'd describe it. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh well yeah. Mike, shall we jump over to you? Sure thing. Sure. Um I actually I'm glad you picked me next because I'm gonna piggyback on what Carice just said. Um, which was so I've I've rewatched the episode quite a few times now, um, and after um, I watched the first airing live with you guys through the miracle of modern technology, um, and it. So the first I would say the first, definitely after the first time I watched it, and probably after the second time I watched it, uh, was the feeling of. Like, that's it? Like, really? Like, that's how they're going to, like, and I can't really say, like, if it, it felt really abrupt, it didn't feel complete. Um, but the more that I've watched, the more I actually enjoy the actual episode itself. Although I still feel that way about the series as a whole. And um, the best way I can describe it is uh, I was thinking when uh, the, TV series Lost ended. A lot of people were mad because there were a bunch of secrets and a bunch of things that were just left open-ended. Um, and But people, the creators that wrote the show, they were like, well, that wasn't the point of the show. The point of the show, and it's the reason This is there's a big contention in the Lost community of people that liked the ending and people that didn't. But the what the creators pointed out and what I saw was that all the characters, even though you didn't resolve all the secrets, all your major characters all had finite character arcs. They had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And they evolved as, as characters. And so they had, the characters had complete stories. Or they came full circle. You know, they changed completely. And that's what made it such a good character study. And so to piggyback on what Chris just said, I actually agree that the main three all had a beginning. They all started somewhere and you all saw them grow as characters. All three of them, Mirage, Hayate and Freya. And, um, I was just like, Oh, you know that that's cool. But where I were, where I kind of jump off 
like where I where where I feel disappointed is the fact that there were other characters that even though they're not main characters, because like in Lost, you had a bunch of supporting characters that had that same kind of arc. And here it's just kind of like the aerial knights, which were so diverse and you had like a lot of opportunity there. I felt like it's just missed opportunity. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, OK, now we're going to do what Hines says. And that's it. I mean, you kind of got that with Kasim and you got it a little bit with Herman, like you saw his family and stuff like that but you really didn't get that i mean you got enough obviously you got it with with keith and royd but like bogue and and the twins and all that you know like it's just it felt like there was some missed opportunity there for and and then not just them but like with the rest of walcute it's like you've got a bunch of 2d characters that are just supporting the cast you know and uh you know again i felt like that was a, a lot of a missed opportunity there but um and just a couple odds and ends the whole lady m thing um which we went back we went back uh i think uh, last week um craig had pointed this out he said at this point who cares and so my thoughts on that were the in the very macross way the hint that burger dropped last week that was the reveal there was no more to it once he said it that was that was supposed to be the big bombshell right which was no hint and then um because of uh how do i mention this without mentioning it things that won't be mentioned people were confused and thought that lady m was lin minmay even though it was supposed to be left fake and that was the big reveal right um so you know, I wasn't expecting anything more than that, but I knew people were going to be be pissed off about that. Um, I didn't care. Like at that point, like I I'm I was right there with Craig. I'm like, who cares at this point? It doesn't really matter. But I feel like you know they shouldn't have. I, I feel like they they over they kept saying it over and over again to where it just it maybe that that plot device would have worked better in a 13 episode series and not a 26 episode series. And so just to put a button on on my thoughts. Um, I probably I'm going to echo what a lot of the sentiment is, is here. Uh, first half of the series is great. Second half was meh with just some cool parts like interspersed throughout. And of course, the second half of the series did have the best episode of any Macross franchise ever. So that was, you know, that is that is the redeeming quality of, of Delta, I believe. I thought you didn't um, like it when she got shot. Do I do I have to threaten death again, Gwen? Please. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. So that, uh, then that's you know that's my thoughts on the sh- on the show. I just you know like um, and I the finale was was fine. I mean, like I said, the more I watch it, the more I enjoy the finale, and uh, I do appreciate the straightforwardness you know that we got a lot of other vague choices in a lot of different macross series and and so i appreciate that the fact that there was a clear-cut choice and there was a uh, for lack of a better term winner and a loser even though i wouldn't call mirage a loser um but i just i feel like she just resigned herself to say like hey you know what we're we're buddies we're pilots and i love you in that way Mm -hmm. but and uh, like I pointed out, you know, 
a, a few weeks back, Freya's going to die anyway. So, you know, uh, you know, hi, Mirage, Mirage, Mirage will get her chance. Um. <laughs> and I'm done. That's for you, Craig. Thank you very much. Um, that's that's unfair. I mean, I got in the joke about you, Mark, in a dying being the best episode. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, Craig, did you want to round your thoughts up then? Sure. Um, I I've been. It was really surprising to me because I got to the end of the last episode uh, when when it came out, and uh, I was like, "Oh, that was really cool!" And I jumped into all the the threads and looking at people and. I seem to be the only one who felt that way. <laughs> and my heart sunk more and more and more. Uh, I eventually found uh, two people on Twitter who also liked it and felt a little bit better about myself. But <laughs> other than the three of us, uh, most people seemed to be down on it. Uh, and I really thought that was a bummer. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about Delta overall as a series yet. I think I liked it. I'm pretty sure I really li- I'm, I'm pretty sure I liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as... Uh, Frontier or Plus or some of the other ones that that uh, are probably a little bit higher up the list for me. But the thing about me and Macross is I like Macross regardless. Even, you know, like Seven isn't my favorite show, but I still would prefer to watching a lot of other anime, and I've still watched them more than a lot because I just dig the universe that Macross is set in. And uh, this was far from a bad show in this universe. It had its moments that were... A real letdown, but it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I don't think. Um, I, I think it's personally its strongest element was its character and world building, uh, more so than Frontier or any of a lot of the the, the uh, Macross franchise. I really felt like I got to know the characters of Delta, and really got. I really gave a damn about them all. Uh, if uh, if there was a problem with it. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, there's a few problems with it, but uh, the flip side of the character problem is I think we had too many characters. Uh, between just just the heroes alone, between Delta and Wakyu, you've got 10 characters. Then you've got the bridge, I mean, the bridge bunnies and, and Johnson, that's another four. Uh, then you've got Chuck's family, that's another four. And it, it just starts to go up from there. Then you've got the Aerial Knights, there were six. Aerial Knights plus Royd plus Key uh, plus um, uh, uh, Hines plus the King before he passed away. Like it was just characters on characters on characters on characters. There's so many that some unfortunately had to get missed out. Uh, generally speaking, they did an okay job with balancing them, but I think I would have like left the twins out of the Aerial Knight side and unfortunately maybe ditched Chuck and his family because in the end they never really got to be anything other than just another pilot in a chair. It gave them an excuse to do a um, an RVF version of the fighter. And even that we barely saw. Uh, I feel like maybe if, you know, if Chuck had been left out, then maybe Arid would have gotten a little more juice because Arid gets a bit, but not a ton. Um, so I, less characters would have been great, but the characters we got were wonderful. I really liked the main trio. Um, Plot-wise, look, we've talked ad nauseum. The The first half I, I loved. I still think episode 13 might be one of my favorite episodes of Macross, the franchise, period. Um, but the second half just started to spin its wheels a bit. Uh, I'm hoping on a rewatch it won't be as big a problem for me, but certainly... 
I think around sort of 19 through to like 21, 22 was where it was really just nothing was happening. And uh, I, I really think, well, nothing, not that nothing was happening. Once was happening, but it felt like it was just info dumping at us mm. rather than it was telling and not showing. And I think that's a shame. Uh, but at the end of the day, for all of this, this week rolled around and I had no new Delta to watch and I, and I thought that was a bummer. So uh, I'm glad I got to see it. I'm, I would happily have more with these characters in this world. But if we don't get any more with them, I'm relatively satisfied with with what we got. And uh, I feel like the story concluded uh, in a pretty natural place. So that's it. That's all I got. Adrian. <laughs> Well, well, well. Um, I'm pretty sure all of us knew what we were in for, knowing that we had 20-some minutes to sum everything up. And they did. They delivered. Uh, First viewing, it wasn't anywhere near what I wanted it to be. I wasn't even looking into, like, Valkyrie action, really at this point mm. and they didn't really give that anyways like as we're saying it looks like they're really not shooting anything and I there was like a hint where I'm thinking because there's the part where you know Hayate is like all you know white knight and then you know Keith is like basically saying Hayate Melmon and you're like okay they're gonna get down for a little bit we're gonna get that one final fight and then they get stuck in limbo and they don't have a final showdown but they kind of already had their final showdown a while back, but it's the last episode. We didn't get that. Instead, they chose to reveal who's going to get chosen, and I really didn't care. I thought it was a good reveal, but I think they could have sped it up a little bit because it was just a lot of talking about unity and being one with the galaxy. And Okay, 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 fast forward, fast forward. And then when you get into the Valk battle, it is basically Frontier. You know, it's hmm. bits and pieces of the ending of the TV version, mainly. Um, mm-hmm. And a little bit of, you know, the quarter. So I think as a TV episode finale, it's fine. <clears throat> but the build-up was a letdown because there was so much stuff you thought they were going to reveal and they didn't. Um, and they've had at least eight episodes to individually reveal something, which they didn't. Mm. And you get to the final episode, and there's definitely no time to do it. But I think there's a lot of interesting things that happen within the series, and just... I mean, this is the first Macross series I've seen that has gone, like, up and down, up and down, 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 up and down. (laughs) And then kind of midway up again, and then finish. Like, I haven't really seen that happen. Like, especially in the beginning, we all thought, like, no one's going to like this show when we saw the test screenings. And, like, the show is still proving in numbers and CD sales, um, the live. So, I know a lot of people listening that aren't in Japan think, like, oh, it went down, it was a failure. But it's still making money. Hmm. Uh, It's not making Frontier money, but it's doing pretty well. And that's even after the Messer episode, after the birthday episode. Uh, there really was no reaction to the Machina episode, opposed to Mike. And 
That's really it. I mean, I really like the show. I think there's a lot of things. Uh, hopefully, there'll be an interview in the future with Kyle Mori and what his real message about the show is. Mm. Um, it's something that no one has caught onto. Yep. And I think whenever an interview does come out about who he, where the story's coming from, uh, they they may see it a little bit different. A bit of a different light. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's there. It's there's a million hints. And, I mean, if you really look at what the main focus is, it's night and day what the show's about. Right. Oh, otherwise I liked it. Oh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> speaking of people who like things, Renato. Yeah. Stop drawing and tell us what you feel of Delta. All right. <laughs> oh, yes. Macros Delta. So, um, I, well, actually, Craig and Adrian said a lot of what I thought because, um, I knew that. Because this wasn't going to be one of those two-part climaxes, because we'd seen the episode the previous week, and it was just talky, mm. uh, I knew there would be minimal battles, and they'd have to wrap a lot of the loose ends up. Um, they'd have to get back to Ragnar and see their family or whatever. Uh, and so it was basically like checking all the boxes for me. Kamori space, everyone gets naked and floating around. Yeah. Uh... The main bad guy gets uh, gets served. Yeah, it was good, but it wasn't anything unexpected. Uh, I think some others already mentioned, but the most unexpected thing was actually just straight up saying, "I love you. I choose you, Pikachu." And the idea is that um, you know, if you do that, then you take away a lot of the impetus for doing a movie version or two, right? That's the reason why people wanted to watch those Frontier movies, because they wanted to find out how the, the triangle would be settled. Well, now, um, there's really not that much else left to do, I think. I mean, what I want is to see a lot more dynamic action and email man dance. I thought that's what the final climax was going to be um, up until around the midpoint, midway point of the series, after which they basically wrote out the whole MML dance and uh, all the choreography, Furitsuke things that they had built up so much. Like even in the, in the preview episode, if you remember, where we actually saw footage of uh, Thomas Romain and Kaomori going over to um, the Middle East and scouting locations and stuff like that. They had an interview with the choreographers for the dancers uh, of the Valkyrie scenes. And I thought, okay, great, this is, this is fantastic, because now the robots are going to be integrated in the, uh, the singing sequences in, no, um, in a way that they'd never done before. But we got basically uh, Frontier again. Burger, but also like this last episode, Frontier again. It was never building up to anything greater than uh, the f those first few episodes uh, or episode thirteen. Mm. Um, and every so often, you know, you'd see this thing that you'd already seen before. Like you, you said that the the dragons were changing color to white after they were mind controlled. Yeah, same as the Vajra. That's what happened to them. Um, 
So Adrian, you mentioned that uh, Mikumo was a projection, a giant projection covering the ship. Yeah, just like Sharon Apple and just like Ranka in the original show. Uh, there was one interesting thing that I found from a guy, a uh, Japanese guy on Twitter. Uh, he said, after watching the episode, huh, I guess Keith was the main character. <laughs> <laughs> because he's the one that uh, st- uh, struck the final blow. Yeah, it's an yeah. interesting point. Yeah, and it was like, you know, beat for beat, uh, this, the last episode of Frontier, except without the cool music. Did you notice that the uh, they used the two main opening songs as their medley, but it wasn't even segued very well? Whereas in the last episode of Frontier, it was all perfectly timed and uh, a mixture of some things. You got Ayo Boite Masuka here and there. Well, I think that has to be Yoko Kano. And the, oh, I know, yeah. And that's because Kamori explained, like, it goes with the music, right? Yeah. So Yeah. Okay. Um, I yeah, I wasn't disappointed with it uh, because I had such low expectations judging on the previous like three months of episodes. Uh, it was certainly a a macros ending, but it felt really paint by the numbers ending. At this point, they're all gonna fold into subspace and meet each other in the next PS4 game, and and that will be fun. Okay. Uh, I want to watch the movie but only if it has really cool concert sequences where Valkyries are dancing. As much as Mike might hate that. <laughs> oh, I agree with that. I would like to see really cool concerts for this. Yeah. Well, yeah because we haven't really had concerts anywhere near the scale of Frontier because they've been vaccine lives. They've been guerrilla concerts or they've been smaller scale yeah. concerts. They haven't been the huge productions that, that you know, um, Cheryl or Ranka got. So, yeah, I know, but I thought it doesn't, really fit. Yeah. it doesn't really fit with the kind of concerts that Valkyrie has to do, and that's why I wasn't too fussed about not seeing that kind of thing in the series. But it'd be like, despite that, it'd be fantastic to be able to see something with a lot more of like the Valkyries dancing. The um, the only big one I can remember is the, the Freya's first concert, right? Like, that's the only one we got a really good long right. look at, yeah. One of the yeah. things I was thinking the end credits was hinting at is that finally we'll get a chance to do those kind of concerts. Just like uh, the one we yeah. got in Flashback 2012. It, it felt almost kind of reminiscent like that. Or for that matter, some of the other uh, Macro series were in the, uh, after the main conflict is resolved, you finally have a chance to celebrate. And Although, once again, there, uh, like you know, Adrian was saying, there's also a hint that the last ending uh, credits sequence might be pointing towards a way to something else later on. But we don't know. Well, Egan, why don't you follow that up with your uh, your thoughts? Oh. He hated it. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it could be more, and it can be more if, you know, like a lot of us were thinking, that there is going to be a movie after th- this. I think, well, it's the biggest surprise of this entire episode. Uh, both Lady S and I were, you know, comedy... Wait. There wasn't a movie announcement at the end. We were expecting that after the end credits, they're going to do the usual 15 seconds of just a text pops up, you know, uh, a movie greenlit, and I'll watch for more news. But they didn't. Did they do that for Frontier? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, They did. Now, I can't remember. Was that. 
Um, was that directly after the episode end? Like on the night no, that the final episode end? Was that the final episode of the first run or the second run? Because I remember there was a big announcement on the second run as well. Or at the end of the second run, they announced Delta. Oh, that's right. Um, <clears throat> well, they didn't announce the Delta; movie... they just announced something new. Right. The first movie is what they announced at the end of the first run. And then later on, I think they expanded that to it's going to be two, two movies. movies. Yeah, that's right. Like, the announcement-wise. Like, it wasn't announced as two movies, just that there would be a movie. Or something. Yes. But anyways, we're cutting in on your time again. Going on what um, Renato mentioned, I thought one of the ironies about uh, the Frontier movies is that a lot of us were expecting, oh, they're going to resolve the love triangle. And, well, they didn't in the Frontier movies. Well, they did. In, like, you can say, like, the TV series ending, like, I, I joke with a friend back when the Frontier was coming out, the TV series endings, everyone gets together with everyone. In the uh, Frontier movies, is no one gets together with anyone. And that's pretty much it. for the. Uh, Nobody physically gets together, yeah. but a decision's made. But yeah. Kyle Mori, like, comes down and just takes it all away. <laughs> so, yeah, it would uh, be interesting what's the... Uh, because there are uh, still some things that... I was not expecting this episode to resolve because I was fully expecting that we would see something after this. Because mm. we still have got, like, Hines made a point of saying that we'll deal with the, the U- new UN later. Let's deal with Royd first. And there's all uh, these things which uh, would naturally lead to a TV si- uh, size, uh, sorry, a movie uh, size storyline. Mm. Well, um, if it's cool, guys, I'll give a quick few thoughts. I've got to hurry it up and uh, for two reasons. First of all, we're going long which was to be expected. Second of all, some of our listeners may not realize this. Why would they? Australia has moved on to daylight savings time, so there's actually a two hour time gap between us and Australia tonight as opposed to one hour. <laughs> so it's like one fifteen in the morning for for Chris and Craig at the moment. So I'll be brief, guys and thank you for bearing with us. Um, look, I'm going to do the positives and the negatives here, because part of my thunder has already been stolen by Renato. Uh, But positive-wise, look, I think the second viewing was more positive for me, and I think that will speak to the entire series, because I think we all have expectations, especially with Macross, because it only rolls around once every decade or so. And once we temper our expectations, or I tempered my expectations in line with what was actually being made and what you know, Carl Mori and the writers were trying to say, I found I've been enjoying it more, especially post-episode 13. And the final episode was no exception to that. The first time I saw it, you know, I was, you know, Carice was here, we were all watching it, and we just all looked at each other, I was like, well, that was it? Mm-hmm. Not, not sure how to feel about that. And I came back the next day and rewatched it, and knowing what to expect, picked up way more details, and enjoyed it, you know, um, a lot more. I felt that the second half of the final episode was far stronger than the first half. It it had better action. It flowed better. Overall, it wasn't a bad episode. Uh, it just wasn't really to the scale or spectacle I was expecting from a Macross finale. Um, and as I said, expectations just played a huge role in how I felt after that first viewing. But look, it gave a definitive answer to the love triangle, which is the one thing Frontier didn't do in the TV broadcast. It may not have given us uh, uh, answers or uh, reveals that we want to anything else, but it did reveal, it did give us a definite answer to the love triangle. It ended the basic story. It gave us a conclusion to the basic threat. 
Uh, you know, white dragons are cool, and while they weren't Escaflorne quality, swords are cool as well. There are a bunch of things, though, we didn't get answers to, and I'm not even going to go into the list I've got, because that's a whole nother podcast. But my main negative takeaway from this episode, and Renato got half of what I was going to say, is that it was painting by numbers. But the more I rewatch the episode, it's painting by Frontier's numbers. And that makes sense when you think of the age of a lot of the staff. A lot of the people involved in this show grew up with Frontier. To them, if you say Macross, the, the tropes, the characters, the styles, it all goes back to Frontier. And while not all these paint-by-numbers moments were from Frontier, the majority were. And as I was watching it, I could see this checklist in my mind. It was like a big holographic version of someone singing. As has been noted, check. A monster firing, check. Uh, a group of mecha entering the atmosphere, leaving heat tri- trails, and you get that distance shot. Check. Uh, a surfing macross, although this time with no real logic behind it. Check. Uh, some sort of mind control giant galactic super network master plan. Check. Character with a fold quartz crystal. Check. Uh, big bad that can control their others, uh, their minions like puppets, and this is shown by a color change. Evil doer wears glasses. Check. Um, you know, people getting sucked out of a hole bridge. Check. Hero flying off into the sky, the sky at the end, even though if that gets kind of changed post-credits. Check. Uh, so it really seemed to me that uh, a lot of the staff were trying to recreate what brought them into the show, which, the, the series, which was probably Frontier. Um, I remember a sequel that did the very same thing. It's gotten nothing but flack for 25 years. Gundam Seed. No. <laughs> what could you be referring to? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe an episode called Sing Along? <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, so at the end of the day, I, I thought that was... I was disappointed by the painting by numbers until I realized how so much it was from Frontier. Um, I... And Frontier was supposed to be a homage show. It was, you know, a 25th anniversary production. This is not, so I don't think I should have relied as much on those those numbers uh, that it was painting by. But, you know, I do know that at the end of the day, every week, what I'm going to miss more than anything is that Sankyo commercial and that Sankyo music. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, the only thing I'm not going to miss is... Like getting ready like 10 minutes before the episode and have to watch Tonkatsu DJ. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, look, we are completely out of time here, and I will just say that this will not be our final episode on Delta. As I mentioned way back when we did our original uh, clip show on it, in between, I think, was episodes 1 and 2. So going back uh, 20 or so, 20, 30 podcasts ago... Uh, there will be a second part where some of our listeners will send us their uh, impressions. In fact, we've already received a couple. Uh, and thank you to people who have sent those. Uh, we'll be putting that up. And I think we will come back to it uh, once the Blu-rays are out and rewatch it again and give a more general overview. I think some time is probably necessary for that. But in the meantime, the podcast will go forward. And we have a lot more podcasts lined up, guys. So for those who joined us, for uh, the Gur Talk and for the Delta Conversation, I hope you'll join us and, and stick around for future podcasts. But if they want to keep track of us individually, where can we be found? Mike, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so real quick, just uh, to, to say goodbye because 
um, as I am in America and not with you guys, you know, 24 seven, uh, you know, I won't be on the, um, the cast much anymore. So I just wanted to thank, thank you guys for having me on. Um, you know, uh, I was on an episode uh, when I was living with you, Gwen, in 2012. Very briefly, I made a brief cameo appearance. And uh, uh, I, told Adrian, um, offline, <laughs> I, I told Adrian offline, I told Adrian offline that, that uh, Gwen, you know, at the time, you didn't invite me to be on the cast. And I, I was hurt. You hurt my feelings. That's because you didn't bring so me up here. Everybody, exactly. <laughs> but since, since then, um, since then, uh, you know, you uh, I felt like I've I've actually become like part of the show, so I just wanted to uh, thank you guys for um, having me on uh, weekly to talk about uh, this okay. project that we're all a part of. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, and professing my love for the greatest character in the Macross franchise ever. Um, but yeah, so uh, just thanks again, and you guys can find me um, on Twitter at Mike in Redlands, and uh, I will see you out there. Thanks, Renata. Uh, you can find me on Renatology um, on Twitter, and uh, and recently I've been doing October. Inktober. No, I haven't been doing October. That's what it usually is. Uh, Inktober. Inktober is like you have to draw a picture every every day of October. So check that out. All right, and Carice. Uh, easiest place to find me is on Twitter at Carice six seven. Um, I think. People mentioning interviews before. If I can find a way to get them, I will probably start translating Delta interviews eventually. I do actually have a few now. Um, so I'll get around to it one day. Okay. Craig. Well, uh, you can catch me over at the Repack Podcast where we talk all about toys. Uh, you can catch us over at the Reanimated Pod or me at the Reanimated Podcast, which is more of a monthly show. Uh, which now features Celia from uh, from the Macross Recap Show, who's just joined the cast and was on the episode that should be coming out really soon, episode 18. And you can find me uh, at the Screen Man at Twitter and um, right here on the Macross Speaker Pod uh, when the episode about the history of the uh, 19 series toys is released that we freshly recorded recently. Right, Renato? <laughs> you just had to get that uh... Uh, yeah. That's Super right. recently. Yeah. <laughs> With complete up to date information. Yeah, let's 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 say that. So uh, <laughs> I think it, people people can find you on this podcast <laughs> and elsewhere. And Adrian, you can always find me on Twitter at Giant Robo. You can send any questions you got about Macross or what's going around in Akihabara. Or you can catch Kids. me and Mike on <laughs> October 15th in Torrance, California at Macross World Convention, where the Speaker Podcast will be bringing most of the cons prizes and Tengen's latest sketch, which features yeah. Messer. Big reveal, though. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's mainly a character illustration, too, which I'll be uploading to my Facebook. So check it out. Uh, no, on Facebook, well, I'll be putting it on my Twitter. And we'll be wishing that Macross and Gwyn, Macross, Renato and Gwyn were with us. But they won't be. Unfortunately, no. And, I, and let's not forget anybody that's listening that's in the States, if you've never had a chance to play Macross, the original Macross Pachinko game, 
now's your chance because I own it and I will be bringing it and it will be available to play. So come find me in the dealer's room. And uh, and before we, we close out, Egan, one last time, what was the name of this episode in Japanese and English, please? In the Valkyrie or Internal Valkyrie? Of course, uh, you can find me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> revenge. Uh, Someone's getting revenge here. Karma. <laughs> um, yeah. This is Gwyn Campbell, the host of the show. You can find me on Twitter at Gwyn Campbell, capital G, capital C, uh, at Twitter. And uh, you can email the cast at speakerpod at gmail.com and we have been getting some correspondence and if you want to send us your impressions of the show uh, drop me a line on Twitter and uh, we'll arrange to get that happening but guys look thanks for joining us on this journey I say that to listeners and participants alike and especially tonight in particular to Craig and Carice for sticking with us into the wee early hours of the morning so until we uh, we get the next episode the first non-Gur talk in a while up this has been the Speaker Podcast's Go Talk, and we're folding out. Good luck, good life, thank you.